From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. Minnesota Statewide Limited Energy, JATC, a nonprofit program that trains men and women to work in the burgeoning low voltage energy industry, hardly missed a beat after the COVID-19 crisis brought much of the economy to its knees. The program has its main facility in Fridley, but it trains workers across the state. When the state closed schools in response to the crisis, Limited Energy quickly adapted the program to ensure that training would continue in line with state guidelines. Quote, we were only down for one week, and it was the definition of a team effort, says Dave Dressler, who heads the program, which is sponsored by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers and the National Electrical Contractors Association. In the following interview with reporter Brian Johnson, Dressler talks about his rise through the ranks in the low voltage sector, the demand for new workers in the field, and the challenge of continuing training amid the worst health crisis in more than 100 years. Pleased to be joined by Dave Dressler, um, head of the Minnesota Statewide Limited Energy, which trains workers in the uh, energy sector, um, sometimes what we sometimes call the low voltage sector. Is that right? Um, That is correct. And so um, can you tell us a little bit, first of all, about um, what you do and and, and how your organization um, prepares workers for this, uh, to work in this important sector and and who your partners are and that sort of thing. Sure, we are a a training facility sponsored by the IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers and uh, NECA, the National Electrical Contractors Association. Uh, Our main job is to prepare uh, men and women to work in the low voltage or limited energy field. Uh, Things we work on would be computer networks, access control systems, video surveillance systems, Things, fire alarm systems, life safety equipment, audio, videos uh, that you'd see in, you know, residential and, and commercial buildings. So we're a three-year apprenticeship program. Uh, so so we, we, uh, we train men and women for that. Okay. And did you come up through the ranks yourself through that uh, sector? Or how, how did you get to uh, where you are today? I did. I was, uh, after high school, I did uh, four years in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, upon uh, getting out of the Marine Corps, I just kind of happened upon this job. Uh, we didn't have an apprenticeship program when I started in 93. Uh, the apprenticeship really was born about 1999-2000. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, a nighttime instructor since about 2000. Uh, then I became a daytime instructor around 2013 and then training director somewhere around 2015. But yeah, I started uh, installer level one. The, be, the entry into the uh, industry as low as you can be. <laughs> well, how much demand is there for uh, people to work in this sector now, and where do you see the demand going in the coming years? Well, you know, despite the, the COVID uh, slowdown for everything, the limited energy sector is really a 
a fast growing portion of the electrical world. Uh, most components nowadays, you're seeing versions uh, of equipment specifically made to be plugged into the network where they draw their infra data and power from one plug that goes into the wall. Um, you know, every month or every six months you're seeing new devices being created specifically for that um, sector. Uh, you hear a term called, uh, you know, IOT or Internet of Things or industrial uh, networking. Um, that's really, right now we're seeing more and more things being put on the network, whether it's, you know, your standard computer network or an industrial style. Uh, data management is extremely important. Companies use that for a myriad of reasons, but you can use it uh, to streamline costs. You can use it to uh, lower your carbon footprint. Um, it, it just to have better operating equipment. So the limited energy field is growing very rapidly. I, we're never going to see less limited energy equipment on a construction site than it, every year it's growing, growing and growing how much we do on uh, job sites. Okay. And you said you have about 200 plus apprentices right now in your program, is that right? Yeah, currently we're about 225 apprentices, and we're a statewide program. Uh, we cover almost all of Minnesota. There's some northwestern parts that are covered by the North Dakota JATC, but we have the majority of Minnesota. And and these people, it uh, sounds like you have a, a pretty diverse group there among your apprentices, uh, different ages and, and, and backgrounds and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just yeah, our apprentices run the gamut. It's We have... Um, men and women, the age is 18. And I think the oldest apprentice right now is 60. So it, there isn't a typical apprentice per se that we've got, you know, in different markets, but yeah, we run, we completely have just a, a very diverse group of men and women in the program. So you're never too young or too old. Well, I guess too young to a certain degree, but. <laughs> yeah, you have to be, yeah, 18 is, is the, uh, is the minimum age. You can sign up when you're 17. But in order to enter pro enter school, you have to be 18 because it is you know, for the majority of our our men and women work on construction sites. So um, it yeah. is man, it is important that uh, that you're you know, 18 and, and kind of understand some of the safety aspects. Yeah, and how do people get into the program if they're interested? Uh, there's a few different ways to do it, but um, our program the the contractors that uh, participate in our program. Allowed, uh, they're allowed to hire people directly. Um, you know, it's called direct hire. They hire them, um, then they send them to here to apply for the program. And there's, you know, you have to be 18 years of old, a high school diploma, GED. Uh, you have to be able to pass an aptitude test and a tax screen, and that, you know, that kind of starts your apprenticeship off. So the the main hurdle is getting hired by one of the contractors first. Uh, then you fulfill the requirements for us, and you know that that's the probably the easiest way in. Otherwise, you can apply. Uh, directly to the program without being hired by a contractor, be pre-qualified, and then start contacting contractors to uh, uh, for employment. And these are, are good-paying union jobs, I take it. Uh, pretty pretty attractive uh, jobs for the right kind of person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the we are affiliated with the IBEW, so yes, each each position is an is a union job. Uh, there are benefits, you know. Medical, there's uh, medical benefits, dental, eye, uh, there's retirement, uh, you know, your standard fare of, of, uh, of benefits that, that come along with working for a union contractor. 
Uh, our program is three years. Uh, you know, there's a varying different electoral programs have different lengths. Ours happens to be three years. Uh, after three years, our apprentices graduate working an average 2008 hour year. They're in the neighborhood of 60, $65,000 a year. That's with no overtime. So just a standard 2000 hour uh, work year. And the nice thing is they graduate from the program without any debt related to the program. So you're clearing, you're, you're, you know, you're about, again, it equates to about a little over $60,000 a year plus benefits. And you don't have that um, student loan to pay off. Yeah, that's a, there's a real upside to that. As we all know, a cost of college isn't getting any cheaper. And uh, this is really essentially an earn while you work, earn while you work type um type of system, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Our, the way we kind of say it, it's earn while you learn. Uh, the, the, the apprentices here, they go to school uh, one day a week and then they work four days a week for the contractor. So it's a true OJT program. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they need to acquire 6,000 hours in the field and then attend class for, it's basically a standard school year. They go to, they start school in September, go one day a week up until uh, right around mid-May or so. And then they're off all summer to work as you know as many hours. Typically, summer is pretty big in the construction world, uh, so they work as many hours as they possibly can during the summer. And it, it is true, earn while you learn. I mean, it, there's 22 year olds and 23 year olds now that are that are you know they have enough to buy homes. And you know when they graduate from the program, that's that's one step. There's there's a whole other level of certifications that move into the technician range. And right now, I think our top pay is. $42, $43 an hour, some, you know, right in that range um, for uh, te foreign technicians. So it's, it's a, you can end up making a, a pretty decent living. Yeah. Well, can you talk a little bit about just, uh, of course, COVID is on everyone's mind. <laughs> and um, it sounds like when um, you guys are really kind of uh, out front on this thing and that, um, you sort of saw this coming and were prepared to um, make the adjustments you needed to keep your training going, did some, did some beta testing and things of that nature. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and just how you were able to uh, meet this challenge? Oh, absolutely. This, uh, our ability to really, we were only down for one week uh, and it was like the definition of a team effort. Uh, I've got a, there is a great group of instructors that work here that, uh, that, that kind of understand what the point of this program is and it's educating men and women and, and making sure that they're getting the information they need to be good at their job, make them a value to their, to their employers. But we also have a board of directors that allows us the freedom to be ahead of things. And it's not so restrictive that we have to run every decision that we, we make by them. They, they trust us that we're going to have the best interest of the program at heart. And they really give us the ability to function very well. Uh, we get help from the Department of Labor and Industry. You know, they're pretty, they're, I call with questions, I get answers back. So I really, there was no hurdles per se from anyone stopping us from doing it. So the instructors, you know, we kind of saw what was going on with COVID and other places and, and saw that it, it was going to be probably a bigger deal than most people are going to give it credit for. We had a pilot program for instructing uh, remote instruction for folks in Rochester. And we had used that for since the previous of September of 19. So when we saw this coming, we had a kind of a, a, a blueprint for making the, uh, the rest of the classes go in that form. 
So we knew kind of what we had to do. Now it meant completely rewriting all the curriculum for the, this was one class out of, you know, three years where the different classes were running, but we had a blueprint of how to do it. So the instructors and, you know, we worked a lot of hours uh, and the instructors really made this happen. They, they were able to get their classes up, ready to go online. We got approval from, you know, the Department of Labor and Industry was there to help us. And okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're moving forward. And we, we, we were down for one week. And the, the apprentices should get a lot of credit as well. They realized that part of the graduation or part of the process of moving through was getting their hours of education. So they realized, all right, this is something we're going to have to do. And they all, to a person, pitched in and, and made this work. It wasn't just one person. It wasn't you know, me or, or the, the, the chairman of the committee. It was a true team effort to get this going. And it worked out, in my opinion, pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, this has been disruptive to everyone, this whole COVID thing, and, and, and change is difficult even, even in the best of times. So um, hats off to the apprentices for, um, you know, just kind of getting with the program and, and just saying, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to stick with this. So, um, and they did. It's, it, it, learning online, a lot of the folks that, that come to this, to the to the we'll just say the trades may not be the traditional uh, in-class learners they were the students that you know that maybe didn't get the best from uh, they needed kind of a different uh, format for learning so they were you handing you pieces of equipment to manipulate and look at and kind of point at things to, all right, we're going to do this in a two dimensional space. Uh, so it required, you know, a kind of a reset on their end, their end of it as well. So, and, and the instructors obviously did a, a, again, a great job making sure that they presented information and the apprentices worked really hard in, in trying to receive that information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are you up to right now? Is it a pretty busy time for you and your program or what's, what, what are you up to these days? Yeah, contrary to uh, some of the other schools, uh, the educational uh, world of academia, we, our summertime is our busy time. The instructors take vacations. They make adjustments to the program that, you know, okay, this didn't work very well during the year. We need to make adjustments. They do their professional development classes during the summer um, and just the things they can't do during the year. Add to that um, the adjustments we need to make for the covid uh, distance learning because you know the, we weren't exactly sure how we were going to tackle this year, um, and just due to lack of we we don't we can't see the future, so we had a couple different plans. So we had two or you know a couple of different ways we were going to attack the year, but we've decided on you know we're going to go basically a, a completely online format unless there's a hands-on practical application lab, in which case we had to figure out ways to break them up to 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 the small enough groups and. We had to refit our lab area to give people the proper space and protection that they were that we need to provide, uh, and how we're going to do that in these lessons and alter our labs completely, because everything was built on a two-person learning scenario. Uh, so we had to <laughs> rewrite those, and again, it was again an all hands on deck thing. So we've been busier this summer than most. Yeah, and where do you have your current physical locations? You said Rochester and a couple other uh, locations. Minnesota? Our main training facility is in Fridley. Okay. Um, and because of the switch to the online, we're looking at, we do have a, a 
training center in, uh, we have a, a little basically area in Rochester and a little area in Duluth, but because we're going online, I'm not exactly sure. Again, we don't have all the answers yet. We're still kind of in flux. The governor is going to make some type of announcements today that I, I have not heard what they were yet. So depending upon that and then, you know, keeping the safety of the apprentices and the instructors at the forefront, we're going to look at what we're going to do with those locations as well. But our main training facility is in uh, Fridley, Minnesota. Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're still moving ahead and that things are going ahead um, as seamlessly as possible under the circumstances, I guess. And um, congratulations to you and your, your uh, team for, for making that happen. Um, anything else you want to talk about before I let you go? Um, no, I just, uh, you know, thank you for your time as well. It just, it was, um, you know, the, the resilience of, of our apprentices being able to just, okay, this is how it's going to be, pick up and run with it and do such a good job is, you know, sometimes you, you wonder whether or not what you do really reflects or if you're getting through to people or um, if anyone's actually paying attention to anything. Uh, and it's, it just kind of made you feel, you know, all right, it, you know, we are doing something right here and it, it, it seems to be working. So no, it's, uh, it's one of those, all right, I feel good about this. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. And I wish you continued success, Dave, and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.